Welcome, my name is Dan Morgan, and thank you for tuning in to the Podcast Potables Network, home of both Process Potables and The Brew Coats. We are proud to be part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family. You can find all things Underground Sports Philadelphia on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. We would also like to thank Design Tree for being a partner of the Podcast Potables Network. You can find shirts from us and much, much more at designtree.com and at designtree on Twitter. We are on social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Process Potables. Thank you to everybody for listening, and please, if you haven't already, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. We'll get you right into the episode in just a minute, but first, our friends in the presence of wolves. And welcome to the one-year anniversary pod for Process Potables. I am Dan here with Steve and Corey, the uh, the usual crew. Steve, Friday night, feeling good. What's going on? Feeling good. Lots of beers, many to cheer about. One-year baby. Corey, engineer extraordinaire. Long week, so uh, I was looking forward to this. Getting together with the boys, throwing down some pods, and drinking some beers. I wish that the result last night left me in a better place, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. But not, not going to let it bring me down. We got a back-to-back this weekend. Try and right the ship. We got Cleveland tomorrow. We got Toronto on Sunday. We hope that tomorrow we don't have similar issues like we had the first time with the Cavs. This is the third time we're playing them already, which is absurd. They are this year's Hornets. Only third time? Last year's Hornets. We'll play them another 17 yeah. times before the end of the season. And then... And beat hopefully making up for the Ofer, playing in Philly this time. Toronto comes here. Uh, we also have to figure out who is winning tickets to both games because oh. we are giving away tickets to tomorrow's game against Cleveland and then Underground Sports, our flagship, our uh, our parent, I guess you could call it, our... Uh, our big bros. Big bros are giving away tickets to the Sunday game against Toronto. So big weekend for giving stuff away from the uh, Underground Sports Philadelphia family. Shout out to them. And uh, we'll have to announce that. We'll figure that out. But first, I want to talk about the beer we're drinking. We are here at Neck of the Woods in Pittman, New Jersey. Well, as we learned in the interview, which you'll hear later in the episode, technically Mantua, New Jersey. But I I don't actually know where Mantua fucking is at all. Like, I kind of know where it is, but I don't know exactly where it starts or ends. Like, I feel like as soon as I leave Woodbury and it says I'm in Mantua, I'm in either Pittman or West Deptford or, like, some other place. I'm never actually in Mantua. It's kind of like Herfville. Where is it? Yeah. So if you do come out here, just check your GPS (laughs) that uh, it's Mantua or Pittman or, you know. Gloucester County is weird like that. We're also tucked away in the back of this, like, turf, pro-turf. What is it? Uh, we, the total turf experience. Not the turf club. Do not get it confused. No, with the no, turf club. not the turf club. Boy, no. I would love to be at the turf yes. club right now, and then maybe hit a little, uh, 
little gentleman's club action. Yeah, th this is like a, this is the second time I brought it up today, and the second time my wife has not looked happy. Double Club yeah, Friday. She likes it. What up? What up? Double Club Friday, baby. This That's is tonight. this is a family friendly turf club, if you will, but total turf experience. I don't know, man. You yeah. you could you could sustain real injuries on that. I'm turf. Sh I'm shocked. Yeah, my little brother, I think, trained here, and they have like players from the Soul. But anyway, well, the Soul used to practice here. Yeah, they used to practice here. The Soul used to be a team. Oh so, shit! I forgot. Uh, rest, rest in peace for, you know, the, we'll pour, they came back. Pour one, yeah, out, pour right one now. out for the Soul. In they the died mouth. once. They came back. They're dead again. Well, see you later. Uh, yeah. All right, back to the beer. Yeah, back to the beer. More importantly, this this episode. I'm just gonna get it out of the way right now. This episode is gonna be a mess. Yep. Uh, we talk a lot about the pre-production that, well, that I do, and we usually have some big picture topics. We do our game recaps. I, I don't really have anything tonight. I, I have worked my ass off for an entire year, and you know I'm here for a good time tonight. Uh, we will talk some, some Sixers and everything, but uh, we'll get to that. We gotta talk about the beer. I keep, keep getting carried away because yeah. I've already had a few. Not gonna lie, I am drinking two right now. Because I gotta do this podcast, I'm drinking Bruce's juice. I don't feel comfortable saying that's what I'm drinking. Phrasing, I don't know. It sounds weird. It was wonderful. Uh, it's the name of the beer. Don't get carried away, perverts. Uh, it is a imperial hazy juicy double IPA. So if you've listened to this podcast more than once, you've probably heard us say those words over and over again. We drink a ton of them. This one is very very good. Made with nugget, Apollo, and citra hops, and has flavors of mango, pineapple, and papaya. Papaya is not one I usually see too uh, listed too often. I don't know if I actually know what papaya tastes like because I don't even eaten. know what a papaya looks like. Uh, yeah, like I. It Use your imagination, healthy. buddy. Throw it into the Google machine. See what it yeah. says. Yeah. Well, maybe don't because it's bad radio. Yeah. Uh, and don't I'm also drinking. Stay in the car, Frank. Which is a New England style IPA, which are also generally hazy and juicy, and this one definitely is. Uh, Mosaic, Citra, and Eldorado hops. Uh, says it has a dry finish, which I agree with. I've never, I've never seen Eldorado hops. I've seen Mosaic, Citra. They're they're pretty typical. I feel like, but Eldorado hops, no no idea. Sounds straight out of a gray. Uh, yeah, it tastes good. These are both very good. I would probably give both of them like. 4.25 on Untapped. I still gotta check them in. Make sure you're following us on there for the record. Uh, Steve, you got a whole damn flight in front of you, so while yeah. you do that, I'm gonna you know enjoy mine and let you talk. So uh, also, I also got the uh, Stay in a Car Frank IPA. It's very. I, I would uh, I would say a four is a very fair rating. Pretty good. We're you know we can, some of us are familiar with the you know dry finish. So but the El Dorado hop, I don't know about. That's a new one to me, but pretty good. I like it. Uh, my three other beers are all sours. Uh, Sour I just, boys. Yeah, I was just in the mood for sours. They have three of them, so they have. Um, they're <laughs> they're all bunion, so bunions, apricot, plum, bunion, beef for bunion, um, and then there's uh, bunions, black blueberry, raspberry, which is probably my favorite, and then bunions, blueberry, Berliner Weiss beer. Uh, they're all solid. At least you're getting your fruit um, in. It, what was that? At least you're getting your fruit in. Is it yeah. Berliner or Berliner? Because I always thought it was Berliner. You know, I, well, from Jersey, it's Berliner. Yeah, I agree. Well, no, I mean, the Berliner thing makes sense because you talked, well, you'll also hear in our interview with Paul from Neck of the Woods, 
about a lot of sours being influenced by Germany. So yeah. this is the first time I've ever ever heard anybody say Berliner, but it makes sense because if it's German influence, then right. it's Berliner. So I'm legitimately asking because I've never heard. Yeah, it I'm not sure, and I'm sh- that way. and I'm sure in you, Germany, you're Mr. Germany. So. Yeah, they they probably pronounce as a Berliner. So who who really knows? Listen. Well, I if, thought you did. That's why yeah, I asked. And if you don't already know, I was hooked on phonics as a kid, so that still carry, carries into me. if you don't me. know, now you know, Monday. Now you know. So, um, But the black blueberry raspberry is really excellent, and the bartender told me that it's in a shandy, which I think we mentioned in the interview some. Yeah. Definitely gonna, that, that'll be my next beer. Corey, what are you drinking? Uh, earlier, I had the uh, Bruce's Juice or whatever that gimmick was called. That was tremendous. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. I went with the Session, uh, honestly, because I, I do like me a Session beer because I, I like like an IPA, but I didn't think that anybody else would go for it. So I wanted to at least try it to, to get a, an opinion on it. It's pretty good. It's lighter. I mean, it, it, I prefer my the ideal Session to me is obviously Founders All Day IPA. Absolutely. And this is this is definitely lighter on the hops than that, but it's still a very nice, light, uh, you know, tasting beer. I don't claim to be an expert on the beer industry, despite doing a podcast that does talk about beer a lot. I'm just very good at drinking it, and I try Amen. to do. I've tried to learn a little more and do my best at describing it. You know, I don't. I don't know if it's great radio trying to tell people what beer tastes like. Like you really should come and do it. And that's what I hope that we do for people is encourage you to come to these places. You know, we try and make sure that we're telling you if they're good or not, which they pretty much all are, because you really can't do it wrong. Right. There are a few that I do not find to be very good, but we'll never go there, so I don't really ever have to tell you that. But the session would turn me away, because in their description, it says, balance between flavor and bitterness from Amarillo and Simcoe hops define this low-alcohol beer. Now, mm. sessions are generally around 4, four to 5%. Yes. So, like, yeah, if I'm going to drink a session, which I do from time to time, mm. yeah, I don't expect it to be a 13% bourbon barrel-aged right. beer. But, like, you don't have to go out of the way and say it's low alcohol. Because, like, I'm not here for low alcohol. I'm not drinking to not get drunk. I'm not necessarily drinking to get drunk. Okay, yeah, I am. I am. But <laughs> Podcast of the year right here. Just you don't have to spell it out. That's all I'm saying. So if I was marketing something like that, I probably don't write those words on the menu. I think the only reason they do is just, you know, for the average Joe who comes in here and has only drank Coors Light their entire life, you know, maybe they're trying to educate that person. Usually somebody who drinks Coors Light doesn't drink it because it's low alcohol. They drink it because they're poor or they have bad taste or because they're going to go and buy a 40 afterwards. Yeah. Whatever, this has been the podcast. We're having a really yeah. good time. Um, okay. Happy one year. Happy one year. So, before we get into the Jazz game and the disappointing game against Washington last night, Ugh. and do a little preview on the Cavs and uh, Toronto games, I asked you guys earlier this week so that you had some time in advance and I didn't have to put you on the spot to try and think of, you know, I, I don't know, like a time over the year or so that we've been doing this. Uh, that you know stuck out to you, a fond memory you had, or you know even just kind of summarize your thoughts on, you know what a year it's been. So I don't know who wants to go first, but I'm going last. So you guys figure it out. I'll Cor- go Cor- first because if you're not first, you're last. So <laughs> sorry, Corey. Puts um, his hand up, volunteers, and <laughs> yes. he's just like, nope. Great radio here. Love um, it. So you know, you know, I'll start with my probably my favorite episode we did. Definitely has to be the one with um. Flying Fish, 
Like that interview was just awesome. You know, they were total bros. I, uh, I don't remember his name, which it doesn't help me, but he hasn't responded to my email about paying me to go to law school. It was Lou and Lou and Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, Kirk I sounds think, right. Yeah, I kept thinking it was Kirk. Well, Kirk I was right, thinking Kirk yeah. Fogg from Le- uh, Legend of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, because I kept thinking about Kirk Cousins and how we, you know, always beat that ass. Yeah, I have better better memories of Kirk Fogg. But it was just very good. It was a very naturally, you know, flowing conversation. It's nice when it's just not like question answer question answer. Those guys just are very educated in the industry and beer itself. So it was very 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 insightful and. I, I like those kind of conversations on a podcast because I I didn't go to school for business and my interest in beer only started when I was, you know, in grad school. So to the average craft beer enthusiast, I probably don't know as much. So it was just like all around very informative and awesome. And it might be very hard to get something like that again, but it's also a reason to go back. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to go back. And I think I think most of the interviews we do are pretty good, and like like we've been saying, we do have an interview with Paul here from Neck of the Woods, which I also think was a very good interview. So, you know, please stay tuned for that. But yeah, the the Lou and Kirk one, I mean, no, you know, I, I think a couple of the people that we've, you know, we've made a couple friends doing this from the breweries. You know, Andy from Eight and Sand, and uh, Uncle Randy, Uncle Uncle Randy, Uncle Randy, what up? And uh, and Westville was a uh, Mike, Mike, yes, Mike from Westville, like. I feel like some of those guys probably listen. Like, you know, we've been there a couple times now to both of those. Like, you know, it's not any, it's not any disrespect to them and the interviews we've done, or even you know, Uncle Randy just coming on as an actual like member of the pod and just talking Sixers because we know he can. He goes to all the tailgate season ticket holder, like all that. But yeah, that that Flying Fish interview was a, like, when I look back at it, and I have a lot of thoughts on looking back on it, but thinking of that, like. That really felt like we like struck a chord. Like that felt like that was so far the pinnacle of what we've really aimed to do was we had a nice bookend of Sixers talk and right in the middle we really nailed that beer aspect and that was like the best balance we've done of it so far. I feel like we do the beer part but maybe we don't do enough of it, but that one really felt like we kinda hit the hit the nail with the hammer. Yeah, and throughout the course of the interview you can tell like, you know, flying fish, they're 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 not really a small brewery in my eyes. I mean, they have, like, that IPA with the Eagles. Like, everyone knows Flying Fish. And you can just tell those guys, they, they just knew their stuff. They had all that experience. And that definitely uh, is reflective in their business and the right, popularity We've kissed Flying beer. Fish's ass enough. Let's, uh, yeah. let, let, so, let's, let's, not, but, let's not overkill yeah. it. But probably the worst interview was our second time at Eaton Sand. I don't think we should ever do a podcast during or after a game. Uh Uncle Randy brought that, up the that worst entire cement? podcast was after the game. That was our third time there, for the record. Was it our third time? Yes, you Why weren't. You weren't there time? the second time. Okay, oh. okay. So my second time, but you know, unshout out to Uncle Randy. But but no, and I guess the one last that game thing, really fucked us up. To be fair, yeah, it did. It did. It was. It was not a good. That game. was the Orlando game. That wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, I know. And lastly, I just uh, Dan. I want to thank you for letting me be a part of this. Um, I am definitely not the brains of this operation, and I'm sure people who have listened, they're like, who's this idiot that's mumbling and stumbling in the podcast? Probably because you say that like every other episode. But probably. And um, you've probably mumbled and hey, stumbled six ha- times already. Yeah, and I just had that. And I mean, the beers also don't help, but... Um, I mean, I'm making it entertaining, I hope. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I, 
I, I, I'm for uh, self-deprecating humor, so... Absolutely. Um, you know, Frank, we... We, we, we are the self-deprecating yes. podcast. And Frank, you got to come back on sometime, buddy. Um, you know... Hope so. she says yes, man. Yeah, ho- hopefully you say yes. And um, I have spoken. Corey? All right. I have a, I have a best and worst. I'm going to try and get this uh, done as quickly as I can. Obviously, the to me, the... Most fondest memory I have so far in this first year is that victory pod for the oh, uh, for yeah. the draft party. And the biggest thing was because it was such a big deal uh, going into it. There was different questions of trying to make sure that we were going to be able to be able to Skype Skype people in and and have people hear everything and have it go you know with changing people in and out. And it, for You're five hours, your ass off that night, brother. And for five hours, you know, we sh- we kind of showed up and we we threw down. And we had a great time that night, and it really uh, it, it worked out well. So the the adrenaline that you felt afterwards was tremendous because it was like, okay, we pulled that off after everything that we did. So that was what was great about it. I remember that. thinking the entire time, like, man, we're going to go five hours. Like, I know I'm like, I was very nervous about the, that one. And since we were actually doing it for everybody there, I, did, I wanted to make sure I paced myself drinking. Like, I wasn't there drinking with the same uh, irresponsibility that I am tonight, let's say. Um, because I knew one, like there was a lot to do and I was taking it very seriously. And also because I was kind of dreading the drive home because we were all the way out there in like Delco and me and you have to drive all the way back to Deptford. But it's, it's, I never even thought about it till now, but you're right, man. Like the adrenaline from just walking out of there and being like that kicked ass. Like Mm -hmm. that was really good. Like that drive was nothing. Like I had no issue with it. I wasn't tired. I wasn't miserable. I wasn't cranky. Like I was just on this high from the fact that we accomplished that. So, like, that's awesome you say that because that's exactly right. I agree. And a funny story from that is uh, uh, Steve over here that night <laughs> didn't actually go to the – Oh, the, my God. He, he wasn't there, if you remember, that entire five hours. Um, what happened was is he went to, I believe, a comedy show or a soccer podcast. No, yeah, like I went to a live podcast Right. So, so yeah, he, he knew that it was at Victory. So him and everybody that he went to it with show up at Victory – and they're asking me how do you know where do we they go in and all this other stuff. Turns out they thought it was at Victory uh, Bar in the uh, ex- yeah the yeah, beer hall Xfinity. in Xfinity Live. So that was that was a uh, great first story. Um, but now I, I would say my, the worst moment in this year, uh, and you wouldn't know this from all the editing because a lot of editing. So we show up uh, at, at a at a brewery. We're not going to say the name, and uh, <laughs> we were told that. You know, we had the whole slot to do whatever. We start about 5.30, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. We're mid-pod, about 45, 50 minutes in. And somebody starts doing bar trivia over the entire loudspeaker system. It was like Disney system. trivia, wasn't it? It was, it was some kind of bar oh, trivia. God. But what ended up happening was is we kind of had to cut and paste. So we'd wait 40 minutes between a round. And then, like, oh, we have a five-minute break while he's you know does this stuff. And then we'd get it five minutes in. By the time we were done, it was almost 10 o'clock. And what you heard was maybe about an hour 25, hour 30. Uh, but we had to sit around with our thumbs up our ass for the better part of an <laughs> extra three hours because they didn't warn us that they were doing bar trivia but invited us there that night to do it. We didn't hide that in the episode at all. So you can I very easily find I it. I couldn't remember if we did that friend, or not. friend of the podcast, Eric Marcherano, was on that one. And he toughed that whole thing out. So, Eric, if you listen to this. He sent the wife home. <laughs> yeah, sent the wife home. Uh, I think I think mine left too, right? Or did she mm-hmm. tough it out? Yeah. So the wives left. Uh, did you com- win bar dollars? Completely fair. 
No, no we, didn't, we didn't participate. We we won friggin' sitting there. We won spending four hours doing an hour podcast, which for the record Sheesh. is not ever how it goes. We're pretty efficient. Right, and and for what it's worth, I really feel that, that th- threw off the pod, too. If you're even going to continue the negative of that, it was that. But that does, that's not something that happens often, but still it's something oh, that no, I mean, we made, It was a good pod. I don't have any issues with the pod, but yeah, it, was, it took us four hour, four, over four hours to do it. Right. Pretty frustrating, but... Hey, I like that place. Well, there I'll you go the for benefit of the doubt. digital digital media. You can you know edit all that fun shit out, and you'll never know. Yeah, my, uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts, and instead of wasting the time here because I don't want this to go on forever, I'm just gonna instead of talking about my thoughts on here, I'm gonna make the announcement that probably the biggest one we'll have. That we officially have launched processpotables.com. Woo! The, these are these are real claps. These are not edited in, and they're just us. There's nobody else here that gives a shit. Um, processpotables.com. So it's a full feature website. You can listen to the pods there. They go immediately up. There is a link to our merchandise store. There is information about the podcast. All the breweries that we've been to are listed on there. You can find all of our social media. There's a blog section, and that's why I am skipping really explaining everything on here because I'll share the full link, but if you just go to the blog portion of processpotables.com, I wrote a year-in-review article in which I talked about my thoughts on having done this for a year and thanked several of the people and platforms that got us to this point, so most of my thoughts are there. Uh, I hope that everybody, if they're interested in that at all, would take the time to check it out. And so the site has a feature. I'm still going to have to learn about all the capabilities, but you can actually become a member on the website. So you can like create a login via like your Gmail, via Facebook, the same way you would like create an account with anything else. You can actually create an account on processpotables.com. You'll be able to get email updates. You'll be able to get notified about when the pod goes up. We might do special giveaways and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's not to like solicit anything. It's not being given to anybody else. But if anybody is interested in that kind of thing, and honestly, like it's just good feedback for us to really get good metrics on like, you know, who's paying attention to this stuff, who checks it out. So uh, it, it's pretty easy to figure out as far as I can tell. Uh, it may be weird to try and explain it over the podcast. And again, I'll share all the links on social media. But yeah, go check out the website, please. The, uh, the video that friend of the podcast, Ty Dalbert, made for us, or Dalbert, sorry, uh, made is on the front page, if you hadn't seen that yet, which was totally awesome. Tremendous. Uh, Great editing job. One of the other job. big like, highlight Good moments job, of doing this for a year was how incredible that video came out. So thanks again, Ty. I can't wait until you're old enough to come to one of these. <laughs> oh, my. You're, we're gonna have to throw his 21st birthday. Yeah, and then like birthday pod. 15 years after that, we can have Sixers, or Sixers Adams 21st birthday at one of these. It'll be a really great time. So uh, please check it out. Processpotables.com. It's as easy as that. Uh, and just thank you to everybody who's ever listened to us be. And while bunch, you're at a, it, bunch of drunk make it idiots. your homepage. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, it works on mobile too. I, I mean, Very I guess nice this day mobile. and age, maybe that's not like. As hard to do as I think it is, but like, I was amazed when I. I think most mobile sites dumb things down, and this is just as good looking as oh, yeah. the website. So, uh, just as much work went into the mobile site as the, the the main website. So that's 
That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, right there, that should get your attention. Some dude didn't make it on Wix. You know, a lot of a lot of time and and stuff went into this. Absolutely, and uh, and huge thank you to Paul Brown and Spotlight Marketing Solutions, which is who made the website for us. You can check them out. They're on Facebook. Uh, I think they're on Twitter as well, but the Facebook page is really where it's after them. So if you just look up Spotlight Marketing Solutions, you'll find them. Uh, not only did they do the website for us, but they did the programs for my wedding as well, the uh, WWE In Your House themed programs. Oh, that's so. right. That time you married China. So, Paul, appreciate you. Uh, looking forward to working with you on future things. Uh, again, thanks a lot, buddy. So... We're probably pretty far into this. Maybe we should talk about the Sixers. Yeah. I guess. All right. Uh, I guess you want to start on a high note or a bad note? I think it makes sense to start with the Utah game. Okay. Um, because that game kind of ended on a bad note, and then the next game was the entire bad note. So. Oh, dude, that game didn't end on a bad note. We smacked that ass. It was such a great time. I've been trying to find somebody to go with me. Ended up taking the wife because nobody wanted to come and had a really, really great time. I wasn't feeling well, and then I had to scream at that cop, Donovan Mitchell, for you know two oh, hours. The so worst kind of cop. The next day, my, my throat was completely gone. Like I wanted to die. I wanted to cry. I didn't think I was going to be able to go to work. Uh, I toughed it out. It sucked, but, man, that game was so much fun. Uh, my biggest takeaway from that game, unfortunately, was not a positive, though. And I don't know if you saw this, but Rudy Gobert had a hell of a night. Donovan Mitchell shot them out of the game, but Rudy Gobert had a really good night. 27-12 and 12 on 11 of 15 from the field. And he really gave Embiid trouble. Like, we love to talk shit on him. And, like, I think he's a little bit of a bitch. But he had a really good game. And I don't want to get to the Washington game yet. But I really think that that game set and beat up for some of his struggles that he had against Washington as well because it just didn't seem like he was able to ever get into a rhythm Monday night and then he has two days off and then they have to go to Washington where we know they haven't won since Brett's second game of his career in like 2013. I think they were like, I think they were 0-8 there or something since then. And the... The other thing about that, again, not to jump ahead, but I'll, I'll forget to say it later, was I, I turned on the TV broadcast. One, NBC Sports camera angle was fucked the whole game, which is yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, it was really bad, yeah. And the other thing was that, um, uh, so there's uh, Serena Winters and then I think, is it Amy Fadul who does the, the pregame yeah, live? Yeah, she does the pregame. Uh, they were both talking about that streak, and they're both just like, well, Serena Winters was like, like they really need to break it. I need them to break it. And even if it was like, they'll break it. It'll get broken. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, this is fucked. But point is, I really think that Gobert, uh, his performance on Monday really kind of set Embiid in, in, into a bad kind of cycle. And Embiid was a huge cause for our problems uh, against Washington as well. Yeah, no, I agree. That was the first game that – and it's kind of – a lot of the uh, big games Embiid has this year, has had this year, kind of overshadowed the fact that he's still kind of playing his way into shape, 
And there's just a lot of games where he just like looks tired. But how long can you say that for? We're, uh, we're over 20 games into the season. Yeah, we're a quarter of the way through the season. And, it's and he just had so, the suspension, and he had some rest yeah. early. but So it's just a little concerning to me. And what you said, this definitely set the tone for what happened in Washington. Um, and listen, like I mean, we've kind of poked fun at Rudy Gobert because of all the poking fun we did at Donovan Mitchell. But, I mean, he's he's really good, man. Um, he, He's really good defensively, and obviously his offense is really limited to dunks and putbacks and things like that. But he um, he got his money's worth, and that was part of why they were able to kind of play their uh, play into the game, play themselves play themselves back into the game a little bit at the end of the fourth quarter. So one thing I did like that they did against Utah, which I think set them up for a lot of success, was the way that they staggered Horford. Yes, and made Gobert defend him because we know that Horford's been living outside the arc so far this season in the Sixers scheme. And so when he was out there without Embiid, Gobert was matched up on him, but you frequently saw Horford being open for three and Gobert refusing to really go out and defend him. And I think that was a really good move by Brett Brown in, in a season where, you know, he only coaches losses and exactly. people yeah. are, are losing their minds. Like, they uh, don't pay attention to things like that. But no. I thought it was a really good move and a big reason why they had success was the fact that he was able to get Horford a lot of good looks and really make Gobert kind of sweat and defend him instead of only matching up like Embiid and Gobert. Yeah, which is a great luxury because we definitely, once Embiid was off the bench, you know, last season, we, we just did not have that option. And sure, there's a couple games where Boban had his and just started taking shots from the top of the key for the first time in his career. But uh, to, to have Val Horford in that role is great. I'd still like to see a little more uh, Kyle O'Quinn. He could probably do that a little bit too, and even it's just drawing him away from the basket so Ben or someone else could make a move there or just open up other people in the offense, that would be. I think we want to see more of him in general. We've talked about his role a lot and how great he's been when he's played. I know there were a couple games where he's unavailable, so now I'm not sure if it's like if it's back to sometimes they're just not playing him or if maybe he's available but they're still giving him you know the time off unless they actually need him. Uh, we'll probably see this weekend. I assume he'll get some run at some point, assuming that he's actually healthy. Yeah, I did read earlier that both Embiid and Richardson will be out tomorrow. So okay, we'll definitely get his. What, do they say anything about Richardson for Sunday? Uh, that I don't know. I okay. think they they only announce it for. I'm a hoping Saturday. he's back soon. I like. Yeah, he's been really great lately. So when you talk about, uh, we can kind of move on to Washington here. Uh, when you talk about that, I mean, it's you can still bring the conversation up that they're not at, like, full strength. But, come on, this is Washington. Like, it shouldn't matter if you have Josh Richardson or not. Right. Everyone else is available. And the thing that I feel like a lot of people took away from this one that I also did as well, you, listen, Embiid had a ton of turnovers. Like, he really, really struggled down the stretch. It wasn't pretty. But I feel like ever since Ben hit that three – his decision-making in the half court has just gotten worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And there were so many possessions. And, like, in the Utah game, he was pretty aggressive, and his defense kind of set the tone and generated a lot for them. And in this Washington game, like, their pace just kind of – it seemed like early he forced a couple turnovers, but for the most part, like, their pace, their, like, run-and-gun style, the Sixers weren't generating a lot of turnovers. And then Ben in the half court, man, like – he just looks lost. Like he's passing it, it. Like as soon as he gets the ball, he's passing it right back to the same guy that passed it to him. Right. I saw it with Matisse. I saw it with Embiid. Like there was a series late in the fourth where him and Matisse were just like playing hot potato, and then Matisse ended up getting a bucket. 
or I don't actually remember if it was Matisse or Ben, but I was like, I, I even tweeted, I was like, I can't believe that like with four minutes left down seven that our offensive possession was just Matisse, Ben, Matisse, Ben. Like, I, I can't believe that's what's happening right now. And I can't blame Brett Brown for these things. People are. Yeah. But I can't blame Brett Brown for Ben Simmons just not doing the things that he needs to do. Yeah, and one thing I kind of – the difference between Embiid and Simmons is that when Embiid has a really bad game, with the exception of that uh, zero-point game in Toronto, even when he has a bad game, whether it's like turnovers or just not doing it defensively, he, he usually contributes something. Like no one could stop Embiid in the paint. Like Washington just had no answer. Embiid still had – was it like 23 and 20 rebounds? 26 and 21. Yeah, he had a monster offensive game, but the eye tests, he didn't play as well as the stats suggested. There's one thing about Embiid that drew me a little nuts. I think it was around the first, towards the end of the second quarter, he had like a nice little fadeaway that was just like a bad shot, but he made it and like two, almost three guys kind of like put a hand in his face. But it's like, dude, you're getting double teamed. Like there's that still someone open and, and I don't know what it is. Sometimes I tell myself it's just because he's you know been here for so long in the early part of his career, he felt the need to just felt put all the responsibility on himself to just kind of take the game over and do everything himself. And it's like, dude, like we got Al, we got Toby, Toby, who like was really the lone star in that game. Like he he he's was been playing aggressive. so good lately. Yeah, and um, when Washington started picking up him making all these outside shots and threes, he started going to the basket. And just, he had a great game. Um, unfortunately, he was really the only one who had a good game all around for the most part. But the thing with Simmons, man, it's just when he's not on, it just seems, it's almost seems like he doesn't really contribute much else in the game. It's just, it looks like he wasn't in, he definitely didn't play the same level of defense as he has Every other game this season. Well, that was going to be my next thing because, I mean, he had three. He had 17, 10, and 5, and then three steals. Like, the box score says that he had a pretty good game, but I don't know if you got the same impression. And I I think people have kind of whispered about this throughout the season here and there, but I thought that this, to me, was the biggest, like, statement of this so far and actually, like, fully cemented that he has this problem. Like, he is either, like, absolutely engaged on defense or he is so obnoxiously unfocused that, like, he's getting absolutely cooked. Like, the effort is just not there. He's not rotating. He's not chasing down the open man. Like, if it's his job to roll to the guy in the corner to, like, block a shot as they rotate around the arc, like, he's just like, nope, like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And it's so frustrating when you see when this guy is engaged and he's actively trying, he's he could win defensive player of the year, but he has these significant lapses. And when he does... This team falls apart, and that's especially without Josh Richardson. Like, again, I don't think it's fair with the, the level of talent of this team to really give them a pass when any one single guy is out. But Josh Richardson is the other real, like, you know, like mean dog type of defender in that starting lineup, and without him, it all really falls on Ben, and he can't afford to take off like that. Like, you know, when he's not on the court, he's not on the court. That's a whole other issue, but when he's out there, he cannot have these lapses. No, I definitely agree. And, and I think, uh, I know this is kind of like an easy take to go with, but you can definitely kind of tell that everyone just took Washington lightly. Like, they just went in there knowing, like, okay, this is 
the Wizards, they suck. We don't got to give 100%. It's an 82-game season. We can kind of take it easy and beat them. And they, they, they just they really underestimated them. The other thing, too, with Ben, it's with the exception of the two games I think he missed with the sh- shoulder injury, he's played every game. He hasn't had a game just to take off and rest, and he's averaging, you know, over 34 minutes a game. So I kind of give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. It's it's hard to play that kind of defensive intensity in, you know, 82 games in a year. But you're definitely right. Like, this isn't the first time where it seems like when he seems disinterested or playing at a lower level, and just the co- whole team falls there's apart. There's a couple yeah. issues with that, and that's a great point, and I know people have talked about that. Simmons' minutes, I mean, a lot of the starters' minutes are really high in a lot of these guy games. And Bede played 35 in, a, in this game and a loss to Washington, like where it wasn't that close for a lot of time. They did get back in it, so I get it. Tobias Harris, 39 minutes. Ben, 35. You said he's averaging over 34. One, this is something you can put on Brett Brown because I think that Hill Neto has played well enough yeah. to warrant being able to keep Ben around 30. I think you could live with like 13 to 18 minutes of Howell Neto. He played 12 in this one. This is all, mind you, with Josh Richardson out. With Josh Richardson out, maybe they help stagger that more because maybe he gets a little bit of that backup ball handling duty like was talked about so much in the offseason or the preseason as well. But I think Neto has earned, at least the regular season-wise, the opportunity. But a lot of people have said, and I agree with this, I don't think that he is enough come the playoffs. I don't know that Neto's a guy that you can play in a series against Milwaukee. And so that speaks to Elton Brand and the fact that this team still doesn't have the final composition they're going to have come the playoffs. The starters are the starters. I don't expect that to change. And I think that that's fine, and I think that they can figure that out. But they are going to figure out who are the three to four guys that spell these guys. I think Matisse, he's shown flashes. I don't know if he's really going to be playable in a playoff series with the, the lack of offense tough. that he can completely you know bring to the table. Sometimes. He did have six assists last night too. <laughs> yeah, like I said, he has flashes. We'll see what comes yeah. of that. But James Ennis really to me is the only guy that is absolutely playable in the playoffs. And I would, I mean, I, again, I've talked about how this is a little bit of a bit. I don't like to admit it, but the Fergon Cork myself. But still, he's the only other guy that I think I think he's playable. He's much more yes. suited for the bench. But I would feel completely comfortable with him and Ennis being two guys off the bench in the playoffs. Right now, like Mike Scott, no. Howell Neto, no. Yeah. Kylo Quinn, yes, but that doesn't really solve any of our problems because I don't really want to have time without Embiid or Horford come to playoffs. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, we're obviously, you know, all about the hive and everything, but I think I read he's only scored seven points in the last five games, so it's it's been a real uh, tough stretch for yeah, Mike he, Scott. He could come back to a point where he can. Like yeah. we saw last year, like he is a playable guy in the playoffs, but he's got to figure out what's going on because right now he's not. It's not that he's not overall. I think he is, but there's definitely going to be a need of at least one active body that can handle a second and third round and even an NBA Finals like stint. Like they have to be playable. Yeah, and and, and maybe you know we probably get that answer in the buyout market. Who? I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know of any names, but hopefully. Well, the rumors, are, the first rumors I've been hearing were Jordan Clarkson. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, if we can get someone to play a combo one or two that can Which handle Clarkson the ball. can do that, but he's sure. at like 12 or 13 million, so I don't know how the math works out for him. Yeah. But it's already rumored that apparently the Sixers are interested in Jordan Clarkson and the Raptors are interested in uh, Tristan Thompson. That's interesting. Yeah, because uh, I would love to face Tristan Thompson on yes. the Raptors because he's trash and we have always dominated him. Although with our luck and – you know, early in the season, he had that one game where he just started making fucking threes. So, hopefully, he got that out of the way. That's a fluke. Uh, speaking of guys making threes, this uh, what was his name? Davis Bertans. Oh, the guy with the uh, nine fingers. Yes. Is wait, no. Yeah, dude. Like he's missing. I think his one, his right uh, pinky finger. Or half and of it. You don't need that. Like, and he hit like his yeah. first seven threes. I hate you to don't be need that it. guy, but I guess not. Yeah. yeah. What do you use a pinky for? Was hey. that was that just? I mean, I I, I know a lot of people kind of like that guy, but was that just running the the continuous bad luck of no name guys going off on us? Or yep. yeah, okay. I mean, th- there's also you know he came from the Spurs, and so oh, right. I don't know maybe he picked. Some improvement up under uh, Pop, but yeah, it's just uh, you, usually it's like a point guard or two guard that just has their career game against the Sixers. And um, but yeah, it was beer trends and yeah, so not great. They they made it close. I will openly admit I'm not proud to say it. Friend of the pod, Eric Marcherano, like we talked about, and we actually said this specifically on the podcast that you referenced earlier, where it took us four hours to do an hour and a half or so. <laughs> That you never bet the spread in basketball. I took the Sixers minus eight because I thought they were going to smoke them. They should have. That one really hurt, man. Ooh. Not happy about that, but hey, it's all right. You know, betting's fun. Uh, sometimes it's more fun when you win. Yeah. If I'm being honest. but No rounds of cheesesteaks on this guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't remind me about that <laughs> commercial. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else on these two games? No. The only other thing I wanted to ask you about was friend of the pod, big bro. We about to get a we about to get a run in here. Kyle from uh, yeah. Underground Sports Philadelphia showing up in the house. We didn't know what to reference you, so I just call you. Yeah, they're the big bros of uh, big bros. Yeah, we're bros. I don't. So did you watch the Utah game on TV? Yeah. Because I was there, so I don't know how this came across on the broadcast. But did they make note of the guy who got thrown out by Donovan Mitchell? I think they may have they, – they said, oh, it looks like Mitchell Gunnar, and that's it. They, yeah, It was off camera. They didn't really uh, – It was funny ooh. because a lot of people – like, obviously, because it's Philadelphia, people all of a sudden jumped to, oh, man, like, what did this guy say? I'm sure it was something awful. And then it seemed like they pretty much got to the point – like, it got figured out that he didn't say anything offensive at all. There was a Reddit post being shared that was allegedly the person that got kicked out. I don't know if that got verified or not. There's really no way to know, but – it seemed like even like beat reporters who had found out, like we're pretty much finding out that he was just talking trash and Mitchell got him thrown out. And then a lot of people who were there, including myself, because people were saying, I don't know why, I think they were Jazz fans because Jazz fans love to be in Sixers Twitter. Weird. But I think they were trying to credit Sixers fans for like applauding the guy getting thrown out, but like they thought that we were like cheering because he should be thrown out. And I was like, dude... I was cheering because I was happy that, like, somebody was talking shit to Donovan Mitchell. Like, I was giving him, like, a round of applause for being the champion to do it. And then a bunch of other people were like, yeah, like, that was the feeling we got. It was like, we were all cheering him on. We weren't, like, 
We weren't clapping for Donovan Mitchell. We weren't clapping for the refs. Like, we were happy that this guy got thrown out for talking shit to Donovan Mitchell. And then, of course, Jazz fans were back in there again. They're, oh, of course you were. Yeah, that's Philadelphia sports fans. And I'm like, how do you not get this bit by now? Yeah, and I how mean. This so, like, how do you have this lack of self-awareness? I guess because it's Utah, they're just very naive. Like True. They, um, Facts. Do, what do we know about Utah? Uh, SLC, Punk, and the Jazz. Like, that's it, right? There's like, a big body of water that I'm sure people drown themselves in every day because yeah. they don't want to live there anymore. And there's a whole ton of Mormons. And yeah. I don't have any comment on being Mormon. So, um, Book of Mormon was a great Broadway play. I musical, didn't see Whatever. I don't know. The Orgasmo's jazz- a great movie. Yeah, the, the, Orgasmo's the, a great movie. The Jazz moved to Utah where jazz was banned. Well, so apparently, I just learned this the other day, and I don't know if this is common knowledge, but they started in New Orleans, which makes a whole lot more sense why oh, yeah. they were the Jazz, and then they moved to Utah. Yeah, that, that's what, that was like the beginning of basketball when they were talking about, like, you know, and the Jazz moved to uh, Utah where jazz was banned. If you can't tell the heavy uh, <laughs> Trey Parker and Matt Stone influence on this, yeah. then... Uh, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast, brother. Sorry. All right, so we are going to get to the interview with Paul from Neck of the Woods Brewing, and then after that, we will talk about the uh, weekend doubleheader we have. Uh, we'll also we'll put it on social media as well, to be fair, but we will uh, figure out the winner of our set of tickets for the Sixers-Cavs game uh, on Saturday. So uh, coming up, the interview with Paul from Neck of the Woods Brewing. All right, so we're here with Paul from Neck of the Woods Brewing. Paul, thank you so much for having us tonight for our one-year anniversary party. Uh, I guess we'll get right into it and want to know why Neck of the Woods Brewing? What, what's, the, what's the idea behind the name? Uh, well, when we were trying to think of names, we actually had brainstormed probably a list of 30 names. And then you, you check them on Google, and 29 of them are taken in some other some fashion. Uh, so we were kind of running out of stuff, and actually one of my partners, his son, he just came up with the idea of, like, how about uh, come to our neck of the woods? So we kind of ran with that one. It wasn't really taken for uh, a brewery or winery name. Uh, the only other thing is is a music venue in San Francisco called <laughs> Neck of the Woods. So I would think of, like, 30 names that Neck of the Woods, like, it's a pretty common, like, phrase yeah. it's very recognizable yeah. i'm surprised that would be the one that like didn't really pop up anywhere did yeah. you have like a personal favorite of yours that you wanted but it was taken from something and you couldn't use it not that i remember i mean that was that process has been like two years ago okay. two and a half years ago but yeah so i mean you mentioned it being two two and a half years ago so how long have you guys been here we opened in may uh but we signed oh, the year? lease here yeah oh, may wow. of okay. 2019 oh, wow. But I think we, we signed the lease in January of 2018, and uh, we didn't start construction until September. And How then, do you find this? Because you're in this big like sports complex, yeah. which fitting enough for us to be here, but uh, like, how, how, how did you find this? Is just Well, that took us a long time to find a location. I think we searched for two and a half years. Uh, we were looking for a location with high ceilings. We wanted to be in Gloucester County. There isn't too many places that meet those two criteria. Okay. And if they do, they don't have uh, the right electric or they don't have sewer. Uh, so we were working with a real estate agent, and she was actually the agent for this complex as well. And this is an expansion, this part of the building. Okay. Uh, so it was still under construction, actually, when we first came to see it. 
didn't even have walls or floors or anything yet. And, yeah, I was, uh, was going to ask if you had any specific ties or like reasoning for Pittman, because I know Pittman up until like maybe two, three years ago was like a completely dry town, and now yeah. there's, a, there's at least three breweries that I'm aware of now in the city. So was it was the idea to kind of get in there? early while it was still not completely like tapped or was it just coincident you you said you just want to be in Gloucester County yeah it was just coincidental that this building uh fit that all of our needs and this is actually technically Mantua uh it's just the Pittman mailing address okay uh, as soon as you cross the street it's into Pittman so okay it confuses now, a lot of people yeah now I see uh this place is located right next to total turf experience now, my little brother, when he did play football, he came there to train. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I think, like, a former Eagle owns it or something. Um, no. I'm not sure, but I, I'm just curious, like, because of that. Well, I know has, the Soul do, like, oh, yeah, like and the we're soul. practicing here, I think. They but were, because yeah. of that, have you ever gotten, like, a local, you know, someone remotely famous from playing sports or football or anything in here? Yeah, yeah I mean, Carson Wentz came in before we opened, so we got oh, to there meet you go. him. All right. And uh, I think Joe Flacco was here before he got Aut- traded Aut- to wherever Legend, he went. Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think uh, the there's that Energy Lab uh, doctor's office thing. That's I think there's an ex-flyer that owns that or is part owner of that. I'm not sure who. I mean, they were talking on WIP earlier when I was driving to uh, the parade I had to go to before about, like, players being in the area and stuff. Like, we are in, like, a very high... Uh, highly saturated area for former players, so yeah. it, it's not surprising. And, and to hear that current players have been around is really, really cool. Um, so to get to the beer part of it, so was there like, was there like a beer from the beginning that like you guys like hit it off with like a staple or flagship kind of beer that really kind of got you guys like into the market? Or uh, well, we had one that uh, we brewed probably twenty different ways in the garage. It was called the. Swan's Way IPA was in my partner Frank's garage. He lived on Swan's Way. So that's where it got that name. Easy. Uh, we had it on tap here up until about a couple weeks ago, and it just ran out. So hopefully bring that one back again soon. Running out's usually a good thing in the business. So yeah, yeah. It means people are like, what kind of, what style of beer was that? Uh, it was just like a g- generic IPA. Okay. You know. So yeah. I'm drinking the, uh, the Frank's. It was okay. it the Frank and the Bruce's juice? Bruce. So one's a double IPA and one's like a New England style IPA. Yes. Uh, when you brew beers like that, like New England style IPAs right now seem like they're really kind of trending. Was that something that was like a lot of people are drinking these in their own, we want to do one? Or was somebody here really wanted it? Like, like how do you come up with what you want to brew here? I think it's a combination of both. That is like the trending popular style. It's one that we like, so you know that helps. Um, you just kind of take inspiration from some of the other New England IPAs that you get from various places, and just trying to match something like that. And I saw you guys have three sours on the menu. I think I'm gonna say maybe you have like nine or ten beers right now. Three of them sour. Is that like common? Are you guys a big sour? style kind of brewery or is that just what's on right now because we love sours yeah so. i mean I, I think we will definitely keep you know at least one if not more sours on tap because there's many customers that come in and that's all they will drink whenever we have a new one they they come in like right away to get it so uh i mean personally i think that's gonna be the next thing after 
the IPA trend kind of goes down, I think it's going to go to sours. Yeah, I'm drinking the uh, Black Blue Raspberry right now, and it's fantastic. And uh, your one bartender told me you have this in a shandy tonight. So yes. Yep. I'm really uh, looking forward you to that. You have it in a what? In a shandy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward you to that. You got all the sours, right? Yeah. They're all good? They're all good. So what are the other ones? You said there's a got Black Blue Raspberry. Apricot Plum, Blueberry, I don't know, Blueberry Berliner, and a Black Blue Raspberry. Okay. So... Yeah, they're all they're all delicious, but my favorite one's separate a black blue raspberry. Yeah, that one's been popular. Yeah, because I did want to ask you. I've um, I assume that I know sours are kind of you know becoming popular, um, but also at the same time, a lot of people know that that's like also a German beer. And I know sometimes people like uh, at other breweries, they may have some sort of connection to Germany, or they just like those type of beers. So, but it seems like the sours are just you know, you guys trying to capture that sour uh, frenzy right now yeah and, and these are all just kettle sours uh so that the three up there are the berliner weiss um it's just uh i think in terms of sours go they're on like the lower end i usually tell people they're more like uh, just tart as opposed to like uh really sour and uh you know there will have people that either don't like beer have never had a sour and they're like oh yeah that's pretty good yeah. So for people who are listening to this, who, you know, a lot of times once we're in here, you know, they hear that we're talking about the beer, they hear we like it, they're going to come in. Do you guys have anything that's like coming up soon that like by the next time somebody would show up might be on that they could anticipate and look forward to? Yeah, I'm just reading off the thing there. I think on the 11th, we have a sour cranberry orange New England Ooh, milkshake. Okay. So it's like a uh, My wife will like sour that. IPA. So that, that should be good. Uh, kind of kind of mixing the two styles there. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, what about, like, uh, the holiday season? I don't know if it this usually slows down or speeds up, but any, like, events? Like, I think I saw uh, something out there about, like, there's trivia here sometimes or something. Yeah, we have trivia every Thursday. Every Thursday. Uh, aside from that, we have a bunch of parties booked, but uh, no specific events. Sometimes we'll, uh, you know, do tandem events with like total turf because they have like a cornhole league here that plays okay. once a week oh nice a lot of the people come in from that uh at one point they had a dodgeball league so we used to get that's the, awesome the teams would come in beforehand have a few beers and then play dodgeball i don't know how well they did but if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball and you can drink a beer <laughs> yeah. apparently um yeah i don't do you have any other questions uh, that's it for me cool well, Paul, we really appreciate you coming on. Really thank you for uh, having us here tonight. Uh, we're celebrating, so we're going to get to that. But, again, thank you so much. We appreciate right. it. And everybody, you. make sure you check out Neck of the Woods right here in Mantua, Pittman, whatever you want. Uh, very, very easy to get to from 55. Uh, kind, kind of around Rowan, kind of splitting Deptford and Rowan for landmark type of people. So definitely check that out. And uh, we'll be right back with more Process Potables after this. All right, so that was uh, our interview with Paul from Neck of the Woods. Again, thanks to them for having us here for our one-year anniversary party. And we're now joined by Kyle Bennett from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Kyle, what's going on, man? What up, fellas? Happy anniversary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so we were going to get into just kind of talking about our thoughts for the weekend back-to-back here with Cleveland and Toronto. But now that we've got you on, man... Uh, 
I guess kind of, you know, we did a whole thing at the beginning, which, you know, you weren't here, so you'll, you'll have to listen back and hear it, but uh, we talked about kind of our, our memories of a year of doing this and just thanking everybody who got us here along the way. I know you got to read the blog post. I gave you a little peek of it, but, you know, uh, man, having you on, I just want to thank you for, for bringing us into the family and, you know, like it, it, being a part of Underground Sports Philadelphia is what gives us, like, the... I don't know, the, the cojones, the, the, stuff. <laughs> the stuff to, you know, try to do things like this and, and, and shoot for bigger goals and, and want to launch a website and stuff like that, which, uh, again, we're, we're very happy to announce tonight, processpotables.com, baby. Hey, man, we, I told you from the beginning we're building something special. We want to take over the media scene and, you know, give Philly sports fans the, the coverage and, uh, you know, stuff that they want to see listen and all that good stuff and to have you guys on the network it was a, a big move and uh couldn't be happier you know things are are booming obviously the ticket giveaways we were doing this weekend Absolutely. a huge success and uh it's only going to go up from here and you know 2020 is going to be a big year for not only you guys but for the network as a whole so i'm very excited to see uh you know what's on the horizon as we move forward absolutely super super excited for that so I don't know if I share the same level of excitement for this weekend that I share for our collective uh, successes I expect to come in 2020. Let's start with the Cavs game, Steve. And so we've kind of seen the two extremes of this. We've seen having to kind of come back in the fourth and, and hang on to survive against a team that we think we should handle. And then we've seen kind of, you know, putting the foot on the throat, so to speak, pretty early and, 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 you know, embarrassing a team that really, you know, I think in most people's minds doesn't belong on the same court as this team. But now they have to do it without Embiid and without Josh Richardson, as we've confirmed that Joel Embiid is out and Josh Richardson will remain out and miss at least Saturday's game against Cleveland. So what do you, what do you expect out of this game? What do you think the Sixers can do without Embiid and Richardson to have success in this game? It'll be interesting. Uh, well, first and foremost, we should see a lot more Kyle Quinn, so that'll be nice to see. I'm really interested in how they're going to use Horford because they have both Thompson and Love out there, and they definitely might be a bit of a mismatch with Al Horford. So maybe we'll see some and Nobody's Kyle. a mismatch with Al Horford. Come on. I mean, I, they're bigger, but, I mean, listen, Love is past his prime, as is, you know, Thompson, he can – He's a great offensive rebounder, so um, it'll be interesting. I, I think we'll hopefully see a lot of Kyle Quinn and Horford together. Um, what might be hard is then, you know, then who comes in for yeah, Horford. Yeah, you're not going to see that. I so I, I would like to see that, but we just don't have that kind of depth to handle it. So um, I'm really looking for a big bounce-back game from Ben Simmons. Um, so, and hopefully, and I think if um, – if Toby has another you know, highly productive offensive game like he did in Washington, I think that that's enough. So hopefully, um, you know, it's addition by subtraction for one game. And, you know, they'll probably only win by three or five points. <laughs> It'll come close. But I think you're I think you're right on point with Ben Simmons. I think we always talk about him and Embiid and playing together and the people that don't think they can play together. And a lot of us who try to argue that they can. We generally have talked about the fact that we think that they can, but we are still aware of the issues that they face generally with spacing. Well, you don't have Joel Embiid in there. And we talked earlier on the pod about, 
you know, the way they staggered Horford against Gobert and made Gobert have to defend him out on the arc and Gobert wasn't willing to do it and it gave Horford looks. Well, you talk about Tristan Thompson, you talk about Kevin Love. If Tristan Thompson ends up on Al Horford, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to make Tristan Thompson defend him all the way out and he's probably not going to be that willing to do it. And now it doesn't involve him being also out there with Joel Embiid, thus you open up the paint for a guy like Ben Simmons, and hopefully he's down there against somebody smaller than him, somebody like a Jordan Clarkson, somebody like, uh, I, I honestly don't even know half the guys yeah. that are on Cleveland at this point. And but. Jordan Clarkson's due to not have a big game against the Sixers. Well, yeah, I don't, so I don't, this is the 18th that, time that, we're that second game, I, I don't think he did very much, but obviously that first game he gave us a lot of trouble. Unfortunately, without a guy like Josh Richardson, you might lean toward more of a first game performance from him than a second but I still think at the end of the day that like Tobias he's been playing really well I don't think he can do a whole lot more than he has maybe he gets a little bit more touches because Embiid doesn't get so many but I really think this like Ben Simmons has to score more than 20 points he has to take I would say more than 10 field goal attempts and score more than 20 points for the Sixers to win that game and if he does that, then I feel confident that they do. And, we've you, also, and I'm sorry, real quick, but we've also talked about before how Tobias a lot of times has had his best games when Embiid wasn't in the game. That's all so I maybe talked about sliding, last season. Yeah, so him sliding back you know, to the four when you have Horford or Kyle Quinn at the you know, center, you know, maybe he'll... And do you think that's what they do? Because I, 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 I imagine they'll start Korkmaz and probably Theibel. Right. So I'd imagine that Tobias is the four. You think that's what they do as well? Yeah, I think so. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I think you got to start Matisse. Just the way he's been playing, Brett's got a lot of confidence in him right now. He's got a lot of confidence in himself. There's no need for him to you know come off the bench with the way he's playing. Uh, please cancel any and all Jordan Clarkson trade rumors because it's not going to happen. The boy makes too much money. Uh <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, they they got to overcome not having the full starting five once again. You know, that's kind of been the early storyline of this team from the get-go is that they've barely played a ton of games with the starting five, and here we are again. No Embiid, no Josh Richardson. you you got to take what's given to you and beat a bad team. And a lot of people think the sky is falling with the Sixers team. No, they are playing very good basketball championships are not one in november and december they're one in may and june pump the brakes a little bit relax they're gonna go out there play well enough to where you can coast in that fourth quarter and kind of just play a ton of the backups primarily that way you are full strength for sunday against the raptors and let's put it this way we we rather suck now rather than be hot let's say i don't know a team like the flyers who could like just crash out in the first round? And you know, I thought you were gonna say the Miami Heat, but no, you had but, to take a shot. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, you know, I just, uh, I just had to get that flyer there, shot. There in were there. two things yeah. to that. One, in the grand scheme, Kyle is way too much of a realist and way too focused and like balanced to. He hasn't had enough beer to be to be to be on <laughs> he here to be yet. on here too often. But I do think what you're saying needs to be heard by a lot of people, and and maybe us a little bit. But the other point is that. Yeah, like, they have to take advantage of these games. And these are the games that, like, you expect some of those guys to rest anyway. Like, even if everybody was healthy, like, this is a a back-to-back. You expect Embiid to sit one of these. So, we don't actually know. I mean, Embiid apparently was complaining about, like, a contusion. Apparently, it's a left hip contusion that was suffered against the Wizards. Right. So, do you think that that's, like, just kind of convenient and they were going to always sit him anyway? Or do you think that this could linger into Sunday and he also doesn't suit up 
I, Sunday. I think it's just more of a convenience thing. He needs a rest, and we, everyone much, would much rather have him for the Raptors and the Cavaliers. So. And I mean, people were screaming that they wanted him to beat to play as many back-to-backs as possible just to show that he can do it, and, and he's played two consecutive back-to-backs. Give him a night off. He needs it. He's yeah. been sluggish. Give him the time off against a bad team that you don't necessarily need him to win that game. And this happened like a month ago. I forget the whole story already, but I know um, Adam Silver came out and the Clippers got fined for sitting um, for Kawhi, mm-hmm. and they're making it more strict with being able to sit uh, players. on. And obviously, tomorrow night's game isn't a national game, but I think they probably had that little, oh, yeah, he had a left hip contusion. There's his injury. He's out. and right, That, too, so. and because – I don't know if you guys talked about it either. The the Nuggets game on Tuesday got flexed to national TV, so oh, right. they're probably going to want to have him be ready for that as well. So if he can play against Toronto, great. They also probably want to have him available for Tuesday night against the Nuggets to have the Embiid-Jokic storylines and sure. have him on national TV. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say about Saturday before we move on to the, the Raptors uh, rematch game with Gasol and Embiid hopefully playing and making up for the offer is that I thought it was funny how much of Sixers Twitter last night in a game that it never felt like they were going to come back from kept thinking that playing Trey Burke was somehow going to be the answer to all their problems. And as a guy who was really excited for Trey Burke at the beginning of the year and in his very, very few opportunities with the Sixers, I've quickly like disintegrated and buried any traces of the Trey Burke turbo team that I hoped to start from the beginning of the year. What are you talking about? Exactly. It doesn't exist. But... If there was ever a game that I actually think Trey Burke could be useful and maybe provide a spark, it's tomorrow against Cleveland. I would love to see Trey Burke get, like, 15 minutes and score, like, 16 points. That would like, be beautiful. I feel like this is – if there's ever a game so far for him to do it, I feel like this is the one. So, yeah. if I'm shooting my shot on this game, my, my sleeper here is that I think Trey Burke might get a decent run in this game, and I actually think he could have a lot of success. Yeah. And to Kyle's point earlier, too – I, I agree the sentiment that, you know, championships aren't won in uh, October, November, December. The only thing that's going to suck is, you know, if you know with this uh, Washington loss and if they can't pull a win out for Cleveland, you know, it's not going to affect you in the playoffs as much. But uh, that Washington game, that's going to stick out. Like if we finish, say, a game behind Milwaukee and we're positioning for, you know, a higher seed, that's like – where it could Here's bite my us, thing but I'm not, you you're, know. You're going to have so many other games after this that are the same thing that you're never going to think back Here's to Here's my thing one. with Washington, too. This team has not won in Washington since Brent Brown's second game as head yeah. coach of this team, and it really hasn't mattered from the get-go. You know, sure, there were you know a couple teams that finished ahead of the Sixers in the playoff standings, but one game didn't really determine whether or not they were the three-seed or the two-seed or the four-seed or the three-seed, so, like, it doesn't bother me that much, and you're going to have more games against Washington to kind of you know make that loss up. So I think they're going to be fine from that. Yeah, and we also did talk about that earlier. Like we didn't really expect them to finish first in the East, you know, maybe second or third, just because we we all we've been saying that it's going to take a good chunk in the beginning of the season for the team to figure it out, and they were just going to have these games they're going to drop. So yeah, I mean, they're not I, built for the regular. season. I always said the Milwaukee is such a regular season team that I don't think there's any chance that you were going to get the one seed over them. I really didn't think anybody was going to challenge us for the two, and now that seems very possible. I'll tell you this: the only team in the East that I would not want to have to go to in the playoffs is Toronto. 
Yeah. I'd be fine going to Milwaukee. I don't want to go to Toronto. And then, honestly, second on that list would be Boston. I don't want to go to Boston. I don't want to go to Toronto, and I don't yeah. want to go to Boston. So I don't care if you finish behind Milwaukee. I don't care if the Heat somehow stay some kind of regular season darling and, and we have to go to Miami because we know everyone doesn't show up till halftime anyway. Doesn't bother me. Don't want to go to Toronto. Don't want to go to Boston. So you finish ahead of them, and I really don't give a shit what the numbers are. Just don't go there. Those would scare me at this point. Uh, speaking of Toronto, though, so they get them back here on Sunday. Assuming that Embiid plays because it's an entirely different conversation that he doesn't. First question has to be, how many points do you think he scores? At Embiid least drops a, at least two. That's God, a low one. So. Uh, Embiid drops a fifty burger. You don't actually believe that. Uh, hey man, he's got he's got some making up to do. He never scored fifty. I think his career high is forty six. Not yet. You're right. <laughs> I'll give him twenty. I'll give him a double double and give him twenty four points. I mean, you'd love to see it, right? Well, yeah. Well, I don't know, man, because I assume if he scores fifty. That he probably takes 30 shots and also has 12 turnovers. Yeah, but maybe he makes 30 free throws. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, if he know. does that, then I assume he fouls out Gasol pretty early and he probably doesn't need to score that much. But, yeah, that's the whole thing. Uh, I think that hopefully whether you consider this Cavs game for him uh, rest or even maybe like a, a mental health day after the week that he's had, uh, we discussed his struggles even in a nice win against Utah that – you know, maybe this is kind of a wake-up call for him and we get the bounce-back type of performance that we would like to see. And you also got to hope that he plays with a chip on his shoulder after yeah. what Gasol did to him last time. That's uh, all you really want to see. The other thing I would really like to see is there's been so much hype about Pascal Siakam this season. And we've already talked on this episode about Ben and his incredible defense when he's focused and the significant lapses when he's not. I would love to see a game where for like 90% of the game, he is fully focused on shutting Pascal Siakam down and just shuts that entire noise up. I would love to see that. I'd like to see Ben Simmons defend Siakam like they did in the playoffs. That's that's what I'm saying. You know, I think that should be the way they kind of attack it. Another thing you got to pay attention to is the first matchup between these guys. Serge Ibaka wasn't in the game. If he's playing, that's another, you know, defensive matchup you have to keep an eye on because – he plays well against Sixers, plays well against Embiid. He's kind of a similar, you know, size-wise to Horford. So yeah. that's a matchup that intrigues me just to see how they kind of attack it, knowing that he wasn't in the first matchup. I want to see how Brett adjusts. Yeah, Gasol and and Ibaka are probably the closest thing to Embiid and Horford you'll find definitely in the East and maybe in the entire league. So yeah. uh, if there's ever going to be – a pairing and a lineup that could actually really match up physically with this team and also skill-wise. If Siakam's at the three matched up against Tobias, like that's a whole thing. And it, it, we, it always comes back to this. It comes down to Ben Simmons then. You have all those matchups, but then you talk about having a guy like either Fred Van Fleet or Kyle Lowry defending Ben Simmons. Like He has to punish those guys. He can't yeah. be passive. He can't be just hot potatoing the ball back and forth. Like He has to drive. He has to get post position. He has to draw fouls. He has to do all these things. He has to take pull-up jumpers over a guy who's six to eight inches shorter than him that he can get that shot off routinely and you know make it 45% of the time. That's what I want to see the most out of Ben. When he goes to the bucket, not you know last-second pass that no one's going to expect, I want to see him taking, you know, not a fadeaway, but just solid straight-up jumper over, you know, Kyle Lowry. He just, especially if he's, you know, 
if, if there's no switch and he gets them in the post or something, like he just better straight up and just just get yours, man. That's that's what I want to see. And with Jay Rich out, you need guys like Tobias and Korkmaz to take shots, but not you know willy nilly shots. They need to be precise. They can't just be chucking up buckets for the sake of chucking them up. They need to be like, for lack of a better term, analytically, you know taking shots that make sense they can't just be doing it because they're down they need to be you know making smart decisions when they're shooting the ball yeah i agree so cleveland win or loss steve win kyle easy dubs lock it in i feel i feel like they win this game too like i said i'm expecting i'm expecting 20 plus from ben simmons and i'm expecting the win then sunday toronto steve i think we win Win by 10. Win by 10. It's going to be tough. Uh, I think it, it depends on if Embiid actually plays, which we don't know yet. Um, Everything we're saying is assuming he does because the, the alternative I'll is I'll say if Embiid depressing. plays, it'll be, it's going to come down to the final minute of the game. Okay. If he doesn't play, lock it in as a loss, and I'm sorry to whoever wins our tickets. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... I think it's a loss either way. I hate to say it. I have the feeling that like the the analysis part of me says that I hope Embiid comes back rested and with a chip on his shoulder and all that. But just what I've seen from Joel Embiid this week, I just I don't have the confidence that he can turn it around enough. Even if he gets a little kind of like boost of energy or kicking the ass or whatever. It is a it positive is. that they're at home though. Yes, unbeaten it is. at home. Like they clearly have a a locked in home court advantage right now. So if they can take advantage but, of that. But he struggled at home on Monday, albeit against Gobert. But Gobert being a guy that, you know, much like Gasol, has had success defending Embiid. So it just worries me that there's, there always seem to be these certain guys that he never figures it out against. And bring you know, them all in. We brought Horford in. Right, we got to just keep signing them instead. Everybody. But, you know, maybe through, you know, Brett Brown always talks about the fact that, like, he is still only, like, 26 years old, like, He's still maybe not actually at his, like, peak, his prime. He could still have some things to learn. Like, I agree with all that. The problem is that, like, the turnaround time from that offer to now is not that much. And to think that he has figured right. that much, like, I know that was an anomaly. I don't think that's, that's par for the course whatsoever. But the middle ground between the fact that that did happen and the fact that I don't think he's ever really beasted Gasol leads me to believe that coming off of the rest, maybe having the nagging injury but playing through it, like I see him Not putting being up like in that arena. Yeah, I, like I, I see him putting up like you know high teens, uh, maybe like maybe like a three for twelve from the field, but gets the rest of them from the line. But it's just not enough. And if Richardson doesn't play, I think they're going to struggle defensively because Toronto's going to put out five guys who can score. And whether it ends up being Korkmaz or, or Matisse, or I mean. Korkmaz is out there, he's going to struggle to defend. And if Matisse is out there, he's going to struggle to score against everybody on Toronto. It just doesn't seem like a great matchup right now. Uh, and I, I don't know that at any point it really will be, unfortunately. I hate to say it. I can't believe how wrong we were about Toronto. I really did not yeah. think they were going to show up like this. I think everyone's like that. And I don't, I don't like, I think I'll my give the hats off. It's coaching. Absol- Nick Nurse is a damn good coach. Well, they have good The players are really good. The players good are too. good. But we saw Fred Van Fleet. I mean, Fred Van Fleet. Sh- Shit, the bet against us, and I thought he was garbage after that. Put any play. of those players on 
a ton of other teams in this league without Nick Nurse, they're not as good as I Probably as they not. are. I think. But I think Nick Nurse does not. Get and what's credit. crazy is like, and it definitely goes to Nick Nurse's credit because they're really the same team minus Kawhi, and it's just like obviously Kawhi was in my mind number one guy in the NBA, and when you lose out on any team, regardless of talent, there's a big drop off, but. There's just something to be said about the coaching and keeping these guys together. And if that's one thing we haven't had, you know, mine is, you know, Embiid. It's like the entire roster, is just, it's almost a complete change every year. So hopefully, you know, part of what we're seeing, a lot of the criticisms of the team earlier this year, I think a lot of that's just things that will work itself over time might take more than a year. But given year two of this core five, like I think we're going to see a much better team. So All right, wait. So we've done one year of the podcast. Are we sure that right now we don't want to just hit a hard reset and become a Toronto Raptors podcast? Because it seems no like we're thanks. all pretty high on them. No? This is the only chance. Yeah, hard nope. pass. Okay. All right. Now I don't mind. think there's anything Listen, that I flows off the tongue. Listen, I was in Toronto during the finals, and I, I'm like, nope. I don't think Wore there's anything stuff that flows off the tongue the way that your guy's name does. There's no yeah. alliteration with the Raptors, so I think the, we'll the Riesling with- Raptors, <laughs> and we start drinking wine instead. Sheesh. Uh, process portals. Slap hey, the bag. Hey, you know, and all logic Slap aside. Slap the bag, baby. Maybe another former Philly native comes into town, picks a fights with someone, gets kicked out, and, you know, that turns the game around. Okay. The, this was off the rails like two minutes in, which was mostly my fault, to be fair, yeah. but it, it's, it's kind of It has nothing long. to do with the beer. But it's, so it's got something to do with it, I think. <laughs> uh, okay, so we talked about a lot. Again, thank you to everybody. Please, 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 processpotables.com. You can go there. You'll find the podcast there first. You can find blog posts. I wrote one about the year in review of this podcast. I didn't really talk about it on here because I would love for everybody to go read what I wrote. So please do that. It'll be posted online. You can create an account. You can link your Google account, like your Gmail, your Facebook, things like that. Uh, You'll be able to get emails. Uh, we're working on, on hopefully having like a discussion type message board, which if it becomes anything like the comments on Crossing Broad used to be, <laughs> <laughs> Silky Johnson, we'll, we'll be in for a hell of a ride. Um, giveaways, things like that. Um, again, congratulations to the winner of the Sixers Cavs tickets. Uh, tomorrow, Underground Sports Philadelphia will announce the winner of the Sixers Rap- Raptors tickets. So stay tuned for that. Um, Thanks, Steve and Corey, for all you've done for this. Thanks, Kyle, for coming on. Thanks, Thunder sure. Sports Philadelphia, for all you guys have done. Uh, shout out Design Tree. Restocked us on shirts in, like, no time at all this week. Especially we, during the holidays. Yeah, like, like, insane. And then I got them two new designs this afternoon. They had them up on the store in, like, 10 minutes maybe. No joke. We got the Seasons Beatings holiday sweater. And that got, one made me chuckle. We got, I like that We one. got the Brett Brown, Uncle Sam, you defend your good people. Uh, you can get that in a T-shirt or a hoodie. I think the Black Friday code still works because I think I saw the orders come in today where they used it. So as far as I know, uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday, try one of them. Uh-oh. I think at least one. I think I'm going to need a holiday sweater. Or both of them work. Yeah, dude, the crew necks are real nice. All right. On Christmas. They, yeah, exactly. I'll be there. Need that Christmas uh, dinner. Uh you know, attire. So, uh, thank you, Nicholas, for having us. Thank you to you guys here for everything you've done for the last year. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, trust the podcast, baby. Load up. Bring on year two.